So here we are, late at night, in the garden. In a garden that doesn't look like we think of a garden looking with rows of vegetables growing out of the dirt, but a garden that's more like a park with trees and grass, olive grove, on the side of a hill. This is the Mount of Olives. And down looking at the bottom of the Mount of Olives, at the bottom of the hill is the Kidron Valley. And then up on the other side, we can see the temple, the Temple Mount. It's late. It's coming on towards midnight. You know that late night smell in the air when the dew has fallen? It's late and everyone is tired because it's been a long day. It's been a day of a big celebration. You know how you feel on the evening of Thanksgiving after you've eaten? That's probably how Jesus and the disciples felt because it's Passover. This is the most important meal of the year when all of God's people celebrate that they went from slavery to freedom. With this meal, they lay it out piece by piece, the story of how we started out as slaves in Egypt, but God led us to freedom through the Red Sea. And there's food, and there's wine, and there's more food, and there's more wine. And then after the supper, Jesus did something different. He did a new meal. He created a new covenant with bread that was broken and wine that was shared. And he said, this is my body and my blood. And the story isn't over yet. The story of passing over from slavery to freedom. There's going to be new freedom because I'm going to give my life for you. And Jesus shared that bread and that cup with the one who would betray him, looked him right in the eye and said, I'm dying for you too. And he looked at all his disciples that night and said, you're all going to leave me. You're all going to scatter like sheep. And they said, no, 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 Lord, we'll stay with you. We're ready. Whatever's going to happen, we're up for it. But Jesus knew. He knew. So the scripture says they sang a hymn together, and then they went out. They went out from the upper room to one of Jesus' favorite places. They sang a hymn, and they went out and headed for the cross. In this last 24 hours of Jesus' earthly life, the most momentous 24 hours that the world has ever known, they headed for the cross, but first they stop in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus spends time here in this garden on the Mount of Olives almost every day in this last week of his life. It seems to be one of his favorite places, Gethsemane. Gethsemane comes from two Hebrew words, gat, which means a place for pressing, and shamanim, which means oils. So because there were all those olive trees, there was probably an olive press nearby. You can see there's two big stones, and the bottom one has kind of a moat in it with that's crushed up olives and olive oil there, and the big stone rolls around in that moat and crushes, crushes, crushes the olives until that precious oil 
can get squeezed out of them. Jesus is feeling that pressure on him in the garden tonight. He says, as he gets ready to go and pray, he says, my, I, I'm deeply troubled and distressed. And he says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Jesus is feeling that pressure of what lies ahead tonight. This is not Jesus as we enjoy seeing him. This is not Jesus holding the little children in his arms and blessing them, feeding 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch, healing a sick woman. This is not Jesus calming the winds and the waves with a word or walking on the water. This is Jesus crushed, crushed with the weight He says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. It's not Jesus as we enjoy seeing him. Have you ever been in that place of feeling crushed? Crushed by the weight of what life has handed out to you? Crushed by the weight of what looks like is ahead and you think, I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can bear up under this weight. It may be a weight of grief or a weight, a weight of loss or, or worry or fear or, or whatever. Sooner or later, we all find ourselves on our knees with some choices to make. And sometimes those choices cut to who the core of who we really are. Do or die, now or never, forgiveness or revenge, go forward or go back. Remember, God's people, the Israelites, he led them out of slavery in Egypt and said, I've got a promised land waiting for you. But then they got to the edge of the promised land after a long time of wandering in the desert And they sent some spies out into the promised land to check it out. And the spies came back with this huge, huge thing of grapes and said that this land is is full of bounty. We should go. But, But most of God's people said, no, no, there might be giants in the land. We can't, we can't go there. And they were crushed with fear and they turned back. It was now or never. And they said, no, we can't do it. Again, in the Old Testament, King Hezekiah, one of the kings of Israel, a foreign army had come right up to the gates of the city. And that general was waiting there with his army. And he sends Hezekiah a letter that says, basically, surrender or die. And I love what Hezekiah does. He takes the letter and he goes to the temple and he lays it out before the Lord. And he says, God, what are we going to do about this? God, what are we going to do about this? This is do or die. It's now or never. And I don't know if we can stand this crushing power that's right outside our gates. Naomi had left Israel for a better life with a husband and two sons, but it didn't work out that way. Her husband died and her two sons died and then there was a famine in the land and she was left with nothing but her daughter-in-law Ruth 
And in those days, that wasn't accounted for much. When Naomi came back to Israel with Ruth, people said, is this Naomi? And she said, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, because Mara means bitter. Bitter, and the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. That's when the struggles of the soul come. That battle between what I know and how I feel. That battle with despair and self-doubt. That wrestling with God like Jacob on the, the bank of the river, Jabbok. Sooner or later, we all find ourselves on our knees with choices that must be made. God's will or mine. And nobody can make those choices for us. Jesus had friends with him that night in the garden. He had his closest followers with him. And he sent some of them to stay here and pray. And then he takes Peter and James and John with him and goes a little farther in and then says to them, you stay here and pray while I go wrestle this out by myself. There's an old African-American spiritual that says, Jesus walked this lonesome valley. He had to walk it by himself. Oh, nobody else could walk it for him. He had to walk it by himself. And the next verse says, we must walk that lonesome valley. We've got to walk it by ourselves. Nobody else can walk it for us. We've got to walk it by ourselves. No one can make those choices for us. It's interesting that Jesus began his public ministry tempted by the devil. He spent 40 days in the, de in the desert, and then the devil comes to him and tempts him. And here in Gethsemane, again, it seems that the devil is tempting him, whispering almost the same thing in his ear again, saying to him, you don't have to suffer. You don't have to die. Just run. Just run. Jesus knows through his close communion with his heavenly father that terrible suffering awaits him. And like any other human being, he doesn't want to go through that kind of suffering. He's trying desperately to see if there might be another way, if he could avoid it somehow. It's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus, who is fully God, could be tempted it helps us understand that he was fully God, but he was fully human, too. That's a great mystery that our minds can't quite grasp. And it helps us understand, too, that to be tempted is not a sin in itself. But that's another sermon for another day. So we see Jesus struggle here. It's not an easy picture to look at. I think most of us probably prefer that picture of Jesus healing, proclaiming, victorious. But here we have a picture of Jesus struggling. He's struggling. But it helps us to know that he walks with us in our struggles because we too sometimes hear that whisper of the evil one, that whisper that says, you don't have to suffer, just run. You don't have to suffer. Just run away. Just like Adam and Eve, we all at some point have to answer that crucial question. 
that Jesus was struggling to answer. And the question is this, will it be God's way or not? Will it be God's way or not? From the Garden of Eden to the Garden of Gethsemane to our own gardens where we live our everyday lives, the question comes down to one crucial idea. Will it be God's way or not? Adam Hamilton, the creator of this 24 Hours series, writes about some people in his congregation that had to answer that crucial question. They faced the struggle to make the choice to answer God's call to do something that they didn't really want to do. One felt called to teach Alpha, which is a course in basic Christianity, at Leavenworth Prison nearby. But when she got to the front gates and saw all the security and all the barbed wire and all the guards, she was terrified. And it took everything she had not to back out. Another parishioner, he says, felt God calling her to leave her corporate job and go to Honduras as a missionary. But how do you leave behind all that security and go someplace far away? Another felt compelled to start a ministry with the homeless. Another felt sure that God was calling their family to adopt a foster child. Hamilton says that each of these people had moments of anxiety and, and struggle related to answering God's call. But each ultimately prayed, as Jesus did, not my will, but yours. Jesus prayed that prayer. But it wasn't easy. Gethsemane is a place of intense struggle. Mark gives us a stark picture of Jesus here. He doesn't pull any punches. He lets us see it's a real struggle. Someone once said, if you mean to give your life to God, sooner or later, and probably sooner, you will find yourself on your knees in your own little Gethsemane, in a struggle of the soul. You cannot be a follower of God very long before you find yourself faced with that choice. Is it going to be God's way or not? When it involves the things that are most precious to us, our, our homes, our family, our comfort, our security, those choices don't come easy. This is the struggle of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is the struggle of faith, those questions that no one can answer for you. You have to answer them for yourselves. But the good news is this. I want you to hear this good news, that although no one can answer those questions for us, we don't struggle alone. Because Jesus has walked that path before us. When he wrestled this out in the Garden of Gethsemane, he marked a path for us to walk. When we too are in those struggles of the soul, we don't struggle alone. He walks with us. And he knows because he felt it for real. He wasn't play acting here to make us feel better. This was a real struggle of the soul for him. So we're so blessed that Jesus cleared a path for us. He shows us the way forward through our own struggles. 
Luke, or Mark gives us a, a short prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden, and it's an amazing prayer. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Mark, chapter 14. We heard a little bit of this uh, read on the video, but I'm going to read part of it again. Mark, chapter 14. I'm going to start with verse 32. Mark 14, 32. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him because, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went a little farther and fell to the ground he prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray, so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't know what to say. He returned to them the third time and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But no, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Jesus gives us a little prayer here. We get it to see just that little verse, verse 36. Verse 36, it's just one little verse, but it's really an amazing prayer, and it really is a pathway for us to follow in our struggles of the soul. If you have your own Bible and you want to circle that verse and maybe take some notes in the margins, there's four things about this verse that help us know our way forward in our struggles of the soul. The first thing Jesus does here is he says, Abba, Father. He's remembering who God is. And he's remembering who he is. He calls Jesus Abba. That's a word that means daddy. It's a very intimate word. He's remembering that God is not a far away being, watching us from a distance, but God is as close as the best possible parent to their child. Abba, Daddy, Father. He's remembering who God is, and he's remembering who he is, that he is God's beloved child. When we are in that place of struggle, that is the perfect place to begin, to know that we are not trying to get God's attention, that we're not hoping that God cares, but that we are held in the arms of a loving parent who loves us, more than any earthly parent could. We are God's beloved. 
God is our Abba, Father. So that's the first thing. The second thing Jesus says is, for you, God, all things are possible. He speaks his faith in God. He says it out loud. He says again, God is trustworthy. For you, all things are possible. He really is good. And it's so important to speak our faith out loud, to remember again what God has done. That's why I love to come back to the Psalms over and over again in those times of struggle, because almost always they give great words to the struggles of our lives, but they also give great words to our faith. And they say again who and how amazing God is. So the second thing he does is he speaks his faith in God. He says, God is good and God is powerful. Third, he gives God his request. Remove this cup from me. He gives God his honest request to be spared the suffering that's coming up. He somehow knew that this was coming. And like any human being, he has this this fire of life in him that he doesn't want to be snuffed out. He doesn't want to face that kind of pain. In those times of struggle, it is so good and so important to just be honest with God, to not try to figure out what we think God might want us to say, but just say what's on our hearts, to tell God what we would like. God, if this could happen, I would be so grateful to just be honest with God. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's giving God his honest request. But then finally, and this is the key, he comes down to this. Jesus says, yet not what I want, but what you want. He's submitting himself to God's will. And he's also making a statement of faith here. He's saying, God, I believe that even though it looks to me like it would be better if it worked out this way, I know your way is best. So whatever way you choose, I trust you. I trust you that this is best. It's worth following despite the incredible pain involved. Today, we walk with Jesus and we pray with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. We do this because... Jesus made a path for us to follow here. When we face those struggles of the soul, when we are on our knees saying, God, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can make it through this. He's given us a path to follow, and he walks with us. Have you heard that whisper of the evil one in your ear saying, you don't have to suffer, just run. You don't have to forgive, that's too hard, just run. You don't have to do this thing you think God is calling you to do, just run. It's not worth the pain. Have you heard that whisper of temptation? Are you on your knees even now struggling something out in your soul? Well, if you're not, you will be sooner probably than later because life brings those struggles. But Jesus has gone before us into that garden, into that place of struggle. And those of you who have 
managed to come out on the other side saying, God, what I want is not the most important thing, but I want what you want, God. Your will be done. You know the peace that passes all understanding that comes with that. You know the deep down joy that comes with just giving it all to God. There is no better place. And Jesus shows us that, the power of saying yes to God. Choices. It's what life is all made up of, choices. John Wesley taught the early Methodists a prayer that was about choices, about these struggles of the soul. It's not an easy prayer to pray, but it's a good prayer. It's a prayer that says over and over in many, many ways, God, not my will, but yours. You can have my life, and you can do what you want with it. So I invite you, I dare you to pray this prayer with me. And as we sing afterwards, if you are in a place of struggle and you need to kneel and pray and just give it to God, I invite you to come forward and pray here or kneel where you're sitting, but just give it to the Lord because that is the very best place for our struggles to be. So will you pray this with me? I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen.